You know, as a children, as a child, you probably had great dreams, awesome dreams. And it's probably so big that you would be so embarrassed to share with people about that dreams. But somehow along the way, as you grow, you started to see resistance towards their dreams. You started to hear people talk about how, how crazy you are to have that dreams. And so you started to shut down those ideas. In fact, you will probably try to make your dream less exaggerated and uh, take away some of, the, some of the amazing ideas that you have and cut down those dreams to a size that is more reasonable in the eyes of others. But I want to encourage you this morning is that the dreams that you had when you were a child, especially the crazy ones, listen to this were probably from God. You may be 60 years old or even 80 years old, but I want to remind you, your childhood dreams, or maybe just one dream, may not be so far-fetched if you submit that dream to God. I'm going to show you for the next few weeks the journey to ascension for Joseph. I say Joey is just, just... they call it clickbait in the internet age because Joey is the way that we call Joseph these days, right? I mean, you know, we have a Joey here. His name is Joseph. But we're going to learn about Joseph, and some of the things that you're going to hear is going to be radical. Some of the things that you're going to hear is going to be a reminder. Whichever it is, I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to bring transformation. I believe he will because I believe thoroughly in my heart that he had prompted me for the next few weeks to share about this journey of ascension and that this journey can be something that you and I can pick from and learn from because it's never the intention of God that we live in defeat and disappointment in our lives. That's not his intention. His intention is for all of us to live in our dreams. Some of you probably sitting there and say, Pastor, you don't know how many disappointments I've had experience in my life. Disappointment in my marriage, disappointment in my career, disappointment in my relationship, disappointment with my children, disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. But I hope by the end of this service today, it will become a new journey for you. And God will just lit a hope inside you to begin to pursue those dreams that you've had when you were a child. Those dreams were big and ridiculous, and they were probably from God. Some people sit there and say, you know, you got to be realistic. Do you know that those who achieve impossible dreams, they were never realistic people? Those dreamers that see the dream achieved, they were never realistic people. I'll tell you this, your dream, as you will learn for the next few weeks, it was never about you. The reason God gave you those dreams is because he has a purpose and a plan to use that dreams to affect somebody else's life. Maybe one individual, maybe a tribe, maybe a family, maybe an entire nation. You'll never know. But it's never about you. You will learn about that. Say you have a dream here to become for, like Joseph, to be a prime minister. But it's very not clear. It looked like a moon and a star and ten, uh, a moon and the sun and ten stars bowing down to you. Just it's not clear. It's very vague. It's very abstract. But it's there anyways. So you have your dream here. And that the fulfillment of the dream is right up there in the yonder. 
There is a big gap between your dream and my dream, godly ones, and the fulfillment thereof. This big gap is what we're going to focus on the next few weeks. I call this big gap a gap of process. Process is what separates dream from fulfillment. Process is what separates from where you're at to the place where God wants you to be. Process is something that will help you to, to shape you to become the person that will able to live in that dream. But listen to this. Process in of itself has zero value. If it does not shape you and cause you to increase in capacity. There are people that gone through the process and become hardened in the process. You know, they've gone through one storm after another. Because they're not allowing the process to shape them. They're always trying to resist it or even trying to avoid the process. They harden their hearts. They harden their spirits. By the time they come out of the crisis, nothing had changed. They could be going through process forever and never able to reach the destiny. Why? Because in the process, they resisted the purpose of the process, which is to shape us. God always used processing to shape us so that we can become what he had intended us to be, so that we can fulfill the dream that he had placed in our hearts when we were young. Godly dreams, very prophetic nonetheless. So if you are confronted with the process, and we all will be confronted with the process in the form of crisis, in the form of disappointment, is a form of struggle. We all will go through that. Office politics, uh, financial crisis, you know, God knows what's going to happen with the trade agreement, whatever, right? So whatever crisis that you are going through or you will go through, either you allow the process to shape you or you run away from it or that you harden your heart to the point that the process doesn't do anything to you and that you can keep on going through processes, you're still going to end up in the same place. Why? Because it hasn't achieved what it's supposed to achieve. So if you do come to that place of process or processing, because it's not just one process, you learn that Joseph had to go through several processes, several crises in his life in order to come to the place where God wants him to be. But if you should ever come into a crisis or a, a, a challenge or opposition, don't run away from it. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to encourage you. If you're in the midst of process, allow that process to shape you. What does that mean? It means that you don't complain. You keep walking in faith. You don't curse God. Like Job's wife, you don't curse God and die. You know, the word of God says that Job, you know, Job wife was no more after the whole process that Job had to go through. If you know the story, he, she, she, there's no more of him, no more of her. But we hear about Job, you know, he become very prosperous. Two individual, a couple in the same marriage. One allowed the process to shape him and he become 10 times or 100 times more prosperous. I can't remember the number. The other one just fell on the wayside of history. Nobody ever mentioned about her again. If you're the individual that's going through crisis right now, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. 
Let the process shape you. Don't resist it. Don't, res- don't run away from it. Just say, God, I'm open to your process. You know, when a person is allowing the process to shape them, the person doesn't complain. But what the person does is always stay in the place of worship, listen, and faithfulness. A lot of people, when they go through process in their faith walk, let's, for example, they, they committed, you know, oh, I, I'm, I'm committed to, 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 to seek the Lord, you know, to find Him, to study His Word more often. And then as soon as the crisis comes, they completely shut it down. They didn't stay faithful. They, they, they changed their life. They changed their commitment. To stay in the process, to allow the process to shape us, is to stay in the crisis while having great faith to believe that, number one, God is good and He is faithful to His Word. You know, our character, therefore our capacity through that character, is what hinders you and I to achieve our dreams. You know, uh, several weeks ago, I was, I was just, just counting my blessings. How many of you had that moment? You know, you sit there and say, God, you know, I'm just so thankful that this is happening, that it's happening. People are growing and, you know, people are getting saved. I'm so, so thankful, you know. I'm so thankful for the, some, some of the things that are happening in this church. I'm so grateful for it. And, and I say, God, but why, why now? Why didn't you come through when I asked you to come through 15 years ago when I was by myself? You know, we have more people on stage than the people, you know, listening audience, you know. Like, it was, it was so disheartening. What, why? Why does it have to take so long to start to see some of the fruits of our prayer labors and some of the fruits of, of, of our labor? Why is it taking so long? And the Holy Spirit said, I was waiting for you. I said, ooh, what do you mean? I thought I was waiting for you, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, no, I'm waiting for you. Oh, why? (laughs) What were you waiting for? Waiting for you to allow the process to shape you to the point that I can use you. Because he said, at the time, you were bitter, you always complain. When there's crisis, you complain. And you bemoan, you you always threaten to quit. Every time when there's a crisis, God, I'm not going to do it anymore. You know, and, and, you know, call my old boss and trying to find an old job, you know. Just, just do all kinds of crazy things that never really allow the process to shape me. I came out of the process okay, but my life never got changed. And so God could not use me, and the promises could not be manifested. He said, you're slowly getting it. So learn from this point onwards. To welcome the process. Now, it's very painful. When I thought of that, so the Holy Spirit said, so, now, are you ready for the process? I had to pause for actually a few minutes. Because say yes means... (sighs) But how many of you know the dreams that God had given us should outweigh any hardship, any process that He will put us through? Because he is faithful. The Word of God says that he will never cause you and I to put, be put through trials that are greater than we can handle. That's his promise. You know, in James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, it's a very common scripture. James said, count it all joy, my brothers, 
when you meet trials of various kinds. And that's the reason why, verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, this character shaping now, right? And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. In other words, no need of anything else to change you. You are perfect. But we'll all want to come to the place of perfection. But many of us don't have the patience to stick around to see perfection. We cut and run and, and we are afraid and we resist God and we challenge God. We complain and some of us have even cursed him. But bless God, he is so gracious. He loves you so much. He understands that before you even curse him. He knew you would. But he had given you the great grace to say, that's okay. If you're the individual, don't be disheartened because there's great hope for you you can rise again in Jesus name and face the trials and this time instead of cut and run this time instead of avoiding it this time instead of complaining you say God have your way hallelujah have your way in me come on have your way through me I'm going to take it hallelujah I'm going to allow you to transform me listen the greater the destiny the greater the dreams the bigger the shaping is required Do you know the purer the goal, the harder the substance must go through for purification and the longer the process is required. Are you here this morning? Yes. Some of you are thinking to yourself, man, I've been going through this tough time forever. It seems like a lifetime. You ought to ask yourself these questions. Is it because your dream is really big or is it because you've been resisting God? Either way, I want to encourage you. If you've been resisting, don't resist anymore. Next time when the devil throw a monkey wrench at you, if you know what I mean, you say, God, I praise you. I thank you. I thank you that you're putting me this process, through this process. I know that you're going to put me through a process that I can handle. Not beyond what I, cannot, what I can handle, but you're going to give me the ability to handle everything that, that, that you're going to allow me to go through. He is never the author of disaster. He is never the author of negative. He is never the author of sickness and disease. That's a lie. But guess what? He will use circumstances and trials that you're going to go through as a way to process you, to shape you, to cause you to become who he had intended you to be. Because he already know in this world that is under sin, there will be a lot of challenges. He could easily take you out of those challenges, like parting the water for you. Then you don't have to go through the sea. Like doing all the miracles. He could do that, and he will do that from time to time. But sometimes he wants you to go through the process. Then you become what he didn't intend you to be. Ultimately, you become like him. Become like God. Become like your creator. That's his desire for you. You know, in North America, we have life really easy because a little thing and we carry foul. But if you do ask some of the questions, some of the believers around the world, they have gone through trials. They've gone through incredible tests of their faith. Our pain threshold is very low. But I want to encourage you this morning to say, God, if you put me through trials, you allow me through trials and processes, I know that you're shaping me to bring glory to you. 
to live and fulfill those dreams that you have planned and purposed for my life even before the foundation of the world. And I can sing the song, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Why? So that you can mold me and make me after your will. That's the whole thing. That's the deal. God has great purpose and plan for you. Let him shape you. Let him bring you up to be the way that he wanted you to be brought up. That's his plan for you. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 37, verse 3 to 10. How many of you have learned something already this morning? Okay, come on. Let's give praise to the Lord. I'm absolutely convinced sitting in this room. There are some generals and heroes that's going to rise. And you have been facing more resistance than your neighbors, your brothers and sisters. You've been praying for things that, you know, that hasn't come to pass yet. And yet you see people jet walls into this church and see their prayer being fulfilled. And you're saying, God, why? This message is for you. You are meant to be generals. So don't settle to be a private. Are you here this morning? The greater the purpose and the mission for you, the greater your heart, you will, you will feel like the, the, greater your, the greater the hardship you're experiencing. So if you're experiencing greater hardship than anybody else, don't be envious of people that are not experiencing great hardship. Because they, they're not, they may not be called to the, the degree of greatness that you're called to. So go through it. Go through the misunderstanding. Go through the misunderstanding that you're facing at your workplace, in your home, among your relatives. Go through that. Go through it with a smile. Go through it with faith. Go through it with praise and worship. Go through it with faithfulness. And when you come to the other side, you become better. Shaped to become more like God, what had intended you to be. Anyways, let's move on. Genesis 37, verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. So he was a favorite. And he made a robe of many colors for him. Now let me stop right here. Just so that I won't forget because this idea just popped in my head. My head. Joseph, you wanna, if you want to know, is the type of Jesus. Because Joseph, you will learn later on, is that he was envious. He was, the Bible said that his brothers all were very envious of him. Jesus is the most beloved of the Father. Do we not agree with that? Are you here this morning? Come on, talk back to me. Jesus is the most beloved of the Father. He is the favorite child. And Jesus, like Joseph, you will learn, had to redeem the people who actually betrayed him. And you will see that Joseph had to redeem the very people that had considered killing him, but eventually sold him off to be a slave. So Joseph is like the type of Jesus. And when the Bible talks about how the father loved Joseph, is actually his father, Jacob, loved Joseph. It's very, it's a reflection of the heart of the father is that the father loved Jesus with intense love. 
Now when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. You know, if you love, you're always going to get, you know, have people being jealous of you. And even though Jesus came and died on the cross and wanted to die for everybody, he still was hated by a lot of people. They couldn't speak peaceably with, peaceably with him, and they had to crucify him. Then Joseph had a dream. You know, actually, before we go to the dream, let's go to verse 2. It's very interesting. In fact, just go to verse 1. I just remember a point I want to make. Just go to verse 1 if you can. I should have started verse 1, 2, and 3. And Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Verse 2. Is it there? Verse 2. And there are generations of Jacob. Joseph, being the seventh year old, was, was feeding the flock with his brother. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Okay? Just remember this, okay? He is a tattletaler, right? So remember, just under, underline that. So he's a favorite child. He knows that. And that wasn't good enough for him. And that he always have to... Tell and complain to his dad about how terrible his siblings were. A lot of people feel very insecure that way. They think that by putting down others, they will look better. You need to know, and Joseph probably didn't know, that he, you are so loved of God. You don't need to put other people down to be more loved. You don't have to complain and criticize and judge people to be more loved. But you say, you know, Joseph's the type of Jesus later on. But now he's going through that process. Okay, go back to number five. So he's a, he, he complained to talk about his brother. Then Joseph had a dream. When he told, his, told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. There we were binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly the sheaves stood up and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us? The brothers asked. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more. Totally unnecessary. Because of his dream and what he had said. Underline what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars are bowing down to me. And then he went on and told his father and brothers. But his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you, you have? He said, are you, are your mother and your brothers going to come and bow down to the ground before you? This is a point I'm trying to make before I move on. And probably I'm going to finish with this point today. Number one, Joseph could have avoided many hardship, at least being betrayed by his brother to the degree that he was being betrayed by, although God used that to train him and shape him, and we're going to learn about that. But he could have avoided many, and like many of us could have avoided many hardship if we understand how to govern our mouth. Just to go back to the introduction of processes. A lot of people, especially as charismatic and prophetic faith people, 
and I am one of them, is that we would receive a prophetic word from, say, a prophet. And because we received the prophetic word, we went and we'll go and announce it to the world of what God is going to do in our lives. We're thinking that, number one, is that the prophetic word somehow would miraculously help us to avoid the processes. And that it is the way that God miraculously going to bring us to the place of promise and dreams because of that prophetic word, that we don't have to go through the processes. Are you here this morning? So we claim we believe. And we say God is going to do this, God is going to do that. And we're going to tell the whole world about it. Because we actually believe that the prophetic word, however true they are, and many of the prophetic words are true. And Joseph had a prophetic dreams, dr two dreams. They were true. And we're going to tell the world we're thinking that somehow because of those prophetic unction, prophetic words, that we now, God is going to miraculously set us on some special jet to bypass all the processes to get to the place of promise. This was never the case ever in the Bible, ever including all the kings that were anointed by God to be kings. All of them had to go through a period of processes. All of them. In order to see the fulfillment of those prophetic unction. A lot of times we, we just can't wait to tell people how amazing the prophetic word God has given us, hoping and thinking that people will recognize us and respect us now because now we have the special anointing. Unfortunately, a lot of us have used that as a way to think that we can avoid the process. You can never avoid the processes. The second thing is, is that we announce so quickly to the public when the truth of the matter is that nobody, nowhere in the Bible ever taught us to announce to the world the prophetic dreams God has given us and the prophetic promises He's given us. In the word of faith, which I'm part of, we have been taught that we need to confess because confession has power. Faith plus confession brings reality. Yes? Come on, say yes or no. It's true. Yes. But whoever told you you need to confess in front of people, you can confess in your own, pri in your own private devotion. You can confess in front of the mirror. Confession is the declaration to the spirit world. It's not to the people. Unfortunately, many people use it as an, as an excuse to, to become braggadocious and exaggerate and tell people about how great God is going to, what great things God is going to do to and through you. What if it doesn't happen? You'll be all embarrassed. Oh, you see, it's faith. Faith is about confession, but not confession to in front of people. I have seen my dear friends, met some of my dear friends in the Word of Faith movement, standing on the pulpit, telling the congregation that God just gave him a promise that he will get a Mercedes Benz. Seriously, why do you even have to say that? So that God will touch somebody to give you Mercedes Benz? So that you can be braggadocious about the fact that God is going to bless you, Mercedes-Benz. I always tell people in sales, when I was a sales manager, never brag about your sales until the money is in the bank. Are we here this morning? Come on. 
You got a young sales guy coming, you know, boss, I just, I think we're going to have a great sales. I'll ask them, is it closed yet? No, but it's very promising. Oh, everything is promising. Don't tell it to me. In fact, lie to me. Don't even let me know. It's better to over-deliver than under-deliver. Are you understanding that? Some of you who are working in the workplace, let me give you a, a friendly advice. Your boss never liked people to under-deliver. Always under-promise and over-deliver. Is it not true? Wouldn't you like your employees to under-promise and over-deliver? You go, whoa! I learned that when I was young. That's why my boss has always been impressed with me. They thought I was a magic worker, but I, you know, I keep some information from them. Under-promise. Is it going to happen? Probably not. It's really tough. And last minute, is like, we close it. Wow, you're such a hero. Thank you. You know? But don't underpromise so much that they think that you don't work. But anyways. So don't so quick to announce anything. Don't so quick to judge people. Don't so quick to use your mouth. Proverbs 21, 23. Please take this to heart. Whosoever keepeth, this is in King James Version. Whosoever keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. I guess we haven't changed a version since last week. The last week's speaker, he preferred King James. But here I'm going to read it from the ESV, okay, English Standard Version. The one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Can I hear an amen? Oh, so many young people got themselves in a deep doo-doo because they just... I was counseling a young person. She was telling me, I, was, well, I, told, him some, I told her something in confidence. I said, you know, just, just don't repeat this, but this is for your good. You change your life because this is for you. This criticism is for you so that you can learn and grow. Do you understand? Yes, yes, yes. The next thing you know, she went to the person and confront the person. And she had the goal to say, honesty is the best policy. <laughs> and now people are saying, I just want to speak my mind as though it's a noble trait. Honey, read this. It's just a line that the world feeds us. No, I'm not saying to lie. I'm not saying to be deceptive. But there's always a thing called wisdom and timing to release the proper things that you need to release. Otherwise, I have to learn that as a young pastor. See, one of my, one of my incapacity in the old days is I share everything. Some of you are victims of that. <laughs> but God is training me. Aren't you glad we're all growing? Can I hear an amen? You don't have a perfect pastor. You don't have a perfect, I'll guarantee you, you don't have a perfect pastor. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. No one is perfect. Thank you. But I have learned. So this young Joseph, you know, go off, go off to tell the parents, you know, how terrible his, how, what, his, his observation of his brothers 
He could have said, honesty is best policy. Well, honey, honesty is going to get you to become a slave. <laughs> honesty, best policy. Only immature people say that. I know, I'm so sorry I offended some of you. Would you forgive this pastor? It's for your good, man. Proverbs 29, verse 11. Actually, 17, 28. That's a really good one. Some of you feel like you're not very smart. I feel that way. But the Bible says, even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed as a man of understanding. I'll read it again in ESV. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. You want to look smart, sound smart? Say nothing. Come on, are you here this morning? Some of you need to do that. We can't wait to share our inside. I heard Brother Hagan say it one time, you know, the people that say that, say that they always want to speak their mind, they usually ended up have nothing in their mind, empty. Just let it all out. Proverbs 29 verse 11. I just want to prove to you, this is the Word of God. A fool gives full vent. Oh, okay, let's do King James. A fool uttereth all his mind. But a wise man keepeth it until afterwards. Okay, let's go to regular English. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. I got to vent it out. I got to say it. No, you don't. That's the reason why many churches fall into division. Because there are people that say, you know, I got to speak my mind. I'm just going to say it the way it is. Well, you're causing division in the church. If you have nothing good to say about other people, please don't say it. Young Joseph didn't understand that. He ended up being a slave. I want to encourage you, if you're young this morning, most of you are young, 99.99% of them are young, you're below 80. If you're 80, you are just in the midlife, in midlife. If you're over 120, I just, I just, uh, I'd say nothing, hallelujah. So, but we got to learn this, we got to learn, I have to learn this, I have to learn to keep my mouth shut. And many people will say Amen. You still love me? Okay, 30%. All right, no, I do it. The rest, please forgive me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> now, how do I respond to that? I don't know how to respond to that. Let me finish with James chapter 1, verse 19, just in case you think all the scriptures of the Old Testament. My dearly beloved brothers, understand this. Everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone must speak, must be quick to hear and slow to speak 
and slow to anger or slow to wrath. What does it mean in quick to hear? Which means you pay very close attention to what people say. Your ears are always alert. Not only to man, but to the voice of God. Quick to hear. Slow to speak. Everybody say slow to speak. We got to slow down in what it is we want to share with people, especially when it is negative. We have to slow down. Don't speak your mind. Please don't. Nobody wants to hear your mind. If we ever want to become great, one of the things that God will shape you and I is to shape the way we manage our lips the author of James chapter 1, verse 19, went on to say that our tongue is like a rudder. This little piece here can bring fire. It directs everything in our life. We need to absolutely guard our tongue and our lips. You know, they say that people who, who have everything close to the chest are the ones that are Really hard to predict. And you want to be the one that is hard to predict. Because they cannot tell how you reach, how, what you're thinking. So people will be careful around you. My point is this. Is that if there's any time in any generation that we need to learn to be disciplined in the way we talk... It's this generation and this now. We have politicians that often speak their mind. And guess what? Everybody thinks he's a fool. <laughs> Are you here this morning? Yes. He, he may be an amazing politician, could do a lot of great things with great politicians. I don't know what, what you're, you know, you say, who are you talking about? Never mind. <laughs> but people who speak their mind always is considered a fool. The people that hold back, very guarded in how they talk, what they release. They're usually the one that's being deemed intelligent. If you always feel like people think you're stupid, I thought that way when I was young. Try this. You will have more respect than you can imagine. 